Hi, I'm Brittany Mitchell. I spent more than a decade in TV news before starting my own business. Curiosity has always fueled my success. I love asking great questions and learning great lessons. Now I'm bringing that passion to this podcast because I believe everyone has something to teach us. So let's dive in. Welcome back, friends, and thanks for listening. The podcast is back after a few weeks off for summer vacation. In June, we interviewed Doug Aronson, former TV news reporter turned commercial real estate agent, about leaving one successful career to reinvent yourself in another. After his interview, he said he wanted to turn the tables and interview me about my major career change, the success I've found post-TV, and building my own business. So I'm handing the mic to him for this episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Doug Aronson, in today for Brittany Mitchell. And my guest today, Brittany Mitchell. <laughs> Brittany spends all of these podcasts introducing us to interesting people, but what do we really know about her? Not long ago, she interviewed me, and I can tell you it's a lot harder answering questions than it is asking them. So I promised Brittany that I would one day turn the tables on her, and that day has come. Brittany, welcome to your own podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> In the intro to your podcast, you talk about your background in television news, which helped you become a successful entrepreneur. But let's take it back even further. You grew up in New Jersey. What did a teenage Brittany Mitchell, well, who's just a teenage Brittany at that point, (laughs) think she was going to be when she grew up? My whole life, I thought I would be an elementary school teacher, which is comical to me now. But when I was a junior in high school, my English teacher suggested I attend something put on by the Washington Workshops Foundation at UCLA in the summer prior to my senior year. And it was really designed to give students a look at media in general. We went and toured a movie studio. We toured a newspaper, a television studio. We went to HBO studios. And I instantly fell in love with the concept of being able to tell a story and share it with an audience. And that changed everything. All of a sudden, my dreams of being a teacher went out the window, and all I wanted to do was be a journalist. So you pursued that? You got a degree in that, I assume? Right. Broadcast journalism. From University of Mississippi. Ole Miss. Go Rebels. (laughs) And uh, when I first met you, you were a producer for the local news. Then, as I recall, there was an opening for a weather person. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did you convince management to give you a shot and put you on the air? Well, it wasn't me that convinced him. Interestingly, I had done weather in college and had the opportunity to do weather, kind of helping out weather producing, I guess I'd say at a station I'd worked for prior. And when I got to Virginia, I had my tape and we needed someone for a new Saturday morning newscast. That was not something local stations were doing at the time. And one of the meteorologists said, show me your tape. And when I did, he said, gosh, this is not bad. You should show it to the news director. And I said, well, I did. And he wasn't too impressed, I guess, because he sort of shut down the idea. So he walked the tape back into the news director's office himself and said, I have someone here you should see. She's very talented. She's got experience. And I I think you really, you know, you kind of talked it up. I think you really ought to consider her. They put the tape in. And I think with his intro, they saw it differently. And they gave me a shot. And that was my first on-air role in a major market. Yeah. yeah. I, I, for one, always perceived you as a natural on camera, but, you know, speaking skills are one thing and reporting skills and writing skills are another. What, what inspired you to hone, you know, your craft? Well, I think I enjoyed being on camera and 
got into weathering college because it was sort of where the college station gave people an introduction. I guess they figured, how can you screw up? It's sunny, it's rainy, whatever. So that was how I started out. But I really wanted to be a storyteller. And so getting that foot in the door in the weather position on Saturday mornings was the beginning. And then when I changed stations, it was one of those stories you hear about. I filled in for someone who was sick one day. It was supposed to be just go field, produce this, turned into a bigger story than the news director or the newsroom thought. They asked me to put it together as what we call in TV news, a package, a complete story and do a live shot. And that was it. After that, they started asking me to report. So it was a happy accident, truly. And before you know it, you're you're an anchor on the morning news, not just a reporter. Right. It was a few months. I think it was probably about five or six months that I was reporting. And they called me in on a Friday and said, we'd like to make you an anchor. And I remember this so clearly. I said, we don't have an opening. And they said, we will in 30 minutes. And sure enough, I went from a producer on a Friday to an anchor on a Monday, ironically, of the very show that I had been producing, which, as you can imagine, was very awkward. And I give so much credit to the co-anchors who were very gracious that basically I had taken their seat, but they were so supportive. And I have always appreciated that. So is this a question of uh, good timing, dumb luck to for, to get to where you were in in that short amount of time? I guess it was a little bit of both. I would like to think that there was some talent involved. Clearly, this is a market size. It's it's not the market 300. I mean, this is a decent size market here in the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, where if I had no talent, they absolutely would not have let me report again. So I think I had to have impressed them enough that they were willing to give me more than one shot. And then I proved myself on the job from there. So you spent about, I guess, about 10 years on the air you're co-anchoring, you're reporting, you're doing well. Why did you leave the news business? Mm. The million dollar question. That's the thing people have asked me probably more than anything else. I was really at the top of my game. I was enjoying what I did. I felt I was getting better. My reviews were good from the news director and from the talent agents that I worked with, but I just wasn't feeling challenged. I'd been doing the morning show for a number of years and they slid a contract across the table to me and wanted me to sign to do six more. And I said, you know, I I feel like I'd like a bigger challenge. Maybe I could have a segment that I do on a regular basis, or maybe I should get into newsroom management, an executive producer, a news director. And I remember the general manager of the station at the time said, you'll never make off camera what you'll make in front of the camera. Just sign the contract. And something about it didn't sit right with me. I I just really felt like if you're not challenged, you get lazy. And I know that about myself. I need to be challenged. I I don't want the easy sign here, ma'am, and take the check and, and just kind of phone it in kind of work. And so I decided to go a different direction. And I think they really didn't believe I would leave. But at the same time, I had been hosting, co hosting the uh, telethon for a local children's hospital. And they needed someone to come and run the program and invited me to take the position and offered to match my salary. And it was kind of hard to say no to a fresh opportunity. But did that fresh opportunity, in your, I guess when you're transitioning to the Children's Hospital, you were in fundraising, which is code right. for sales. Right. It was not fun. I don't know why the first three letters are F-U-N. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> well, it, it, why didn't you enjoy it? I didn't like the politics of it, quite frankly. I can remember spending days working on seating charts for donor luncheons and talking about, we can't seat this one by that one. And I really saw it as, look at the great work this place is doing and that my job would be to showcase that, to be a storyteller 
and that people would then be compelled to make donations. And there was that part of it, but the politics behind the scenes of fundraising was definitely not for me. I'm more a creative, I found. And I was also used to having in TV a great deal of creative freedom. And you can probably appreciate this coming from TV. You don't realize how much independence and autonomy you have until you work in a position where someone is constantly looking over your shoulder. And respectfully, that was what the job was. I don't think I really got that when I said yes to the job. So simultaneously, you're, you're working at the job of the Children's Hospital, and then this opportunity with Mary Kay comes around. Uh, are you thinking this is just a part-time gig, a little supplemental income, or are you saying, I need a new line of work? Oh, absolutely. Just a fun hobby. A, a friend of mine from television had started her own business, and I thought, well, that that sounds like fun, and it would be a great way to meet people. And like in television, in my fundraising job, I was tied to my job, and everything I did 60, 80 hours a week was about the job. So I thought this could be something, I had no hobbies really when I look back on it, that could be a hobby that also pays a little bit of money. And very quickly, I realized it was a whole lot more. As I recall, your your boss at the hospital wanted you to commit to them about 100% of your time. Right. Um, and, and that posed a conflict for you, I guess. Mm-hmm. So so what did you do? Gosh, you know, I, I didn't see it as the conflict that they did. I think they were worried about a conflict in terms of not just time, but in working with donors. And obviously, I would never have brought my business into my workplace. But I think it was almost a God wink because it caused me to really assess, was I happy where I was? I was not, was there something else for me? And, you know, when you've worked in one field as a journalist for a long time and you decide to make that switch, it was a very big decision. It isn't like teaching where you can take a few years off and go, I'm back. You know, I was faced with the reality that I turned on the TV a few days after I left and there was someone else in my chair and I couldn't just dance back in. So to find that that big switch was not the best fit was really hard for me. So I think when this other opportunity opened up to start my own business, at first I thought it was a happy distraction, but I'm sure somewhere in the back of my mind, I had to be thinking, hmm, but if this took off, what could happen? Were you at all scared to take that that leap of faith? I don't think I was scared. The scary part was leaving television and saying no to that very attractive contract and a fat raise to do what I was already doing and knew very well. So I don't think I was scared at that point. When I left the fundraising job, I was more excited because I knew it was something I could craft and build. And I'd never had the opportunity to do that with anything that was my own. Well, one thing that I learned and observed from you uh, when you ran the TV stations intern program is that your organizational skills are top notch. Thank you. you. Have you always been that way? My mom would probably say yes. I think she thinks I came out of the womb 40 years old and and with a steno pad. I have always been someone who enjoys order. I enjoy creativity and freedom, but I do like to create processes and systems for things. I have a system for everything in my house. And so when I ran the intern program, what I enjoyed about it was not just seeing it as, oh, here are these college kids here for some credit. I really wanted to shape and mold them for a better future to prepare them. And that's what my business gave me the opportunity to do was not just work with clients, but to shape others in the business and help mold them as a leader as well. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, a lot of what happens with the experience and, and the time you do it is you, you build confidence. And, and we've right. talked many times about 
how the news business is like the ultimate preparation to tackle anything because mm. you're given a short amount of time to learn about something very quickly and then having to give essentially an oral report before potentially hundreds of thousands of people. Exactly. And sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, but but did those skills that you honed in the years of television news translate well to what you do today and as you were leading up to what you've done today? Absolutely. Because in the beauty business, my goal is to find out what someone's needs are. What is it about their skin they'd like to change, their appearance they'd like to change, and then match their needs with products. So I didn't see it so much as selling as I saw it matching needs with a service or a product. So it just felt like using your intelligence to put the pieces of a puzzle together almost. So those skills were very helpful. Certainly my networking skills were very helpful because I needed to meet an enormous number of people to grow a client base and grow a team. And my speaking skills, of course, instantly I was in front of people. That was very comfortable for me, but I was used to doing it in a studio with five or six camera people to a a big camera and with a microphone on. And now I was live in front of people talking, but I found that I enjoyed that so much because it was more interactive in television. You think you're interacting, but really you're just talking and people are listening. So I really enjoyed that back and forth interaction with people. As we've discussed before, what people see on television is is a, (laughs) that's the end and the easy part. It's getting there. It's the hard part. Sure. Putting it on, putting that final day of work, all day work into that one and a half, two minutes that you're on the air. If you're a reporter, Uh, what is the most challenging thing about what you do today? Well, I think you have to build trust when you're asking people to exchange dollars for product or for your service, you have to build trust right away. That was something that I learned in television because you know, you think about examples of 9-11 or when really horrible things happen. And we talk about how people want to hear it from an anchor they trust. So I knew how to build trust with an audience. Um, That was really important right away. And I think that, again, that's just another place where TV prepared me for it. How long have you been with Mary Kay now? Let's see, almost 20 years. Wow. (laughs) And you're a... uh... Premier Club plus sales director. What does that mean? Right. Basically, it means that I have built enough clients and taught enough other people to be excellent in the business that the company gives me that title and also a career car that is at the Premier Plus level. So I get to drive a car that the company provides for me, essentially. Is this the famous pink Cadillac? I have had three of those pink Cadillacs. Currently, I'm driving the Chevy Traverse. We have a lot of different auto options. And you can even take a cash allowance if you prefer, but I love the car because Mary Kay is known for career cars. And so one of the first things people say is, Ooh, do you have one of those pink Cadillacs? And it's so much fun to say, I do. Would you like to go for a ride? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good branding. I don't know anybody else that rides around in a pink Cadillac. except uh, They know what company it is. That's for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your personal life. You're you're married to your husband, John, uh, to whom you met in the television news business. And uh, together, you guys have a, a son, Grayson, who's a teenager whom you mm-hmm. adopted. Right. Uh, and uh, you're also a stepmom. Yep. And um, and you're also very active with your church and have a very strong faith in God. Mm-hmm. Have you always been religious? You know, I was raised in the church and it was very much as a child, something we did because it was what we did. We went to church every Sunday. I grew up in a very small town of 3,500 people. Uh, They tore down the movie theater. All we had was a bowling alley. So if you wanted to get together with friends, most places in town, it was at your church. 
So that was how I grew up. And that was my social life. And then when I went to college, I drifted not so much from my faith, but from actively participating in my faith. And it wasn't that I made the choice. I think I just got to college and like most kids got into my studies and partying and all the things that college kids tend to do. And then when John and I started dating, I remember us looking at each other one day and saying, how can we not go to church? And I think in television, especially with the hours that we had, by the time we hit the weekend, we were so exhausted. I didn't know which was which end was up, what was day, what was night, because anchoring the morning show, we got up at 2.30 in the morning, if not sooner. So by Friday night at six, we were asleep on the couch. And then Sunday, we were usually wide awake going, this is it, our one day before we go back to work. And it was after my father died in 2004 that I found myself very angry. uh, And I realized it was with God. I was mad that my father had gotten cancer and died at age 60. His whole life, he had worked for some day, one day, he owned two businesses. He was a funeral director. He owned a monument business. And so we kept expecting we'd have all this time. And I felt like I'd been robbed. And so a friend of mine invited me to come to church. And I remember we sat in the balcony. I really didn't want to be there, had my arms crossed. And of all things on that day, the pastor was talking about C.S. Lewis's book on grief. And I remember thinking, seriously, God, like you're going to slap me in the face with this. But it really helped me realize that Grief is something that people deal with in different ways. I hadn't dealt with mine, not in a healthy way. And so we started attending church regularly and it's become a very big part of, of my life and who we are as a couple, as a family. Yeah. I was going to ask how, how, how does your faith shape how you approach life today? Mm. Well, it certainly has taught me to extend an enormous amount of grace. I have been given grace in so many situations that I probably didn't deserve over the years. And so I think it it helps you see people with a paradigm shift. We learned that as journalists too. You know, we learned there was never one right side of the story so much as it was about finding out all the sides of the story. And I think that's what my faith has really built into me as I look at people and say, what I'm seeing isn't all there is to see. Everyone ticks the way they tick because of something. And so the storyteller in me asks questions and I like to find out more about people. And it's just so amazing that as a Christian, at least I try, I don't always succeed, but I always try to see people as God sees them and not as what the world sees. And it really does cause you to go deeper and ask questions and extend grace and, and realize that you've been given a lot too. It's a very personal decision for a lot of people, and I respect uh, how important it is to you and how you've been able to uh, make it work for you and your business. And I want to get back to the the business of cosmetics for a minute. What what do you think brought you from sales consultant to senior director? Mm. In other words, how were you able to achieve a high level of success? I think, fortunately, it's a company where when you're good at what you do, The way that Mary Kay Ash, our founder, built it was as you are growing a client base, as you are growing a team, if you are willing to show others, hey, look, this is how I did it, then you can bring them along with you. And that's how leaders are built in our company. And it's so different, isn't it, than so many places in corporate America and news is a great example. You know, as an anchor, if a newbie came along and said, gosh, tell me all of your secrets and how have you been so successful and how do you write that great story? Your first thought is, why do you want to know that? Because you might take my job. And I'm evidence it happens. That's how I got my anchor job. But I remember there was a a newer person in the newsroom in weather who had been hired and was very timid, very scared. And I was more than willing 
to show her everything I knew. I wanted to see her succeed. And that's something that I've always had in me is I'm competitive, but I only like to compete against myself. I don't want to beat someone else. And Mary Kay is a company where we're able to run alongside one another and compete, but together. And so in the newsroom, I remember this this anchor being very grateful that I was willing to show her and not laugh and say, she doesn't know what she's doing. Why did they hire her? Clearly she was suffering from lack of confidence in the beginning. And to see that blossom in her really did something for me. And in the same way in my business now, when I take someone, Mary Kay used to say, women are like rosebuds and they blossom right in front of you when they're watered and fertilized and poured into. And it's so true. And I think it's true for men and women and for children. And so that's really something that probably spoke to me as a person and how I'm built, how I'm wired is I'm just a natural encourager. So I think that's a huge part of why I've been successful. But does that success, it was it gradual or was it sudden? How long did it take before you said, okay, you know, I'm successful. Well, I left my fundraising job eight months after I started. And I'm definitely a girl who, when you put a challenge in front of me, says game on. And so when they gave me the choice of it's either, you know, this or your business, that was it. I said, well, it's the business. And 10 weeks later, I had gone from consultant to sales director and it was a very clearly laid out path. Here are the things you do. And because I like to make things challenging. I was also doing some freelance journalism work at the time. John and I got married on March 1st, went on our honeymoon. So the first 10 days of this 10 week period, we were in the Bahamas, laying in a lounge chair thinking, gosh, I probably should be working right now, but I was determined. I'm, I'm very tenacious. If I want something, I don't let it drop. If one way doesn't work, I try another way and another way until I'm successful. Is there a drawback to that? I mean, are you working 60, 70 hours a week as a result of that? There was a time in the beginning of my business where I was not out of necessity, but because I was so in love with the process of building something and seeing that growth, both in people and in my sales, that absolutely I was working, I'm sure, a lot more hours than I needed to, or maybe um, should have to model for others what's necessary. And there was a point where I thought, gosh, I'm not trying to say to people, look how hard this is, or this is what it takes. That was just me. That was how I was wired. I throw myself into things, but I've learned a lot about balance, especially since our son was born. And I love most about my business now that I can work when I choose to play when I choose to, but I'm very much a person that when I'm in, I'm 110% in, and I think I'm good at getting done more in a shorter time, probably because of the organization and the prioritizing skills. I'm very intentional with what I do. So I believe work hard, play hard, and I enjoy both. Good. Um, looking back on your both your personal and professional life, what regrets do you have? Mm. You know, when I was in college, when I was a senior, I worked on the color side of reporting for the football program. It was the football coaches show or the, the Billy Brewer show it was called. And it aired all around the Mid-South, Memphis, Birmingham, cities in between. And the producer had worked at ESPN. And he was the one who hired me to be the color reporter. I did feature stories. And he said to me, hey, I can get you an interview at ESPN. And at the time I was dating someone, I was probably way too into that to really think clearly. And uh, I thought, I don't want to do sports. I'm going to get pigeonholed because that used to be the case. It used to be, if you were a sports reporter, that's how you were labeled. And Robin Roberts is a great example. She worked at the station in Biloxi, Mississippi that I did before I was there 
went to ESPN and now, of course, is very successful as a journalist and co-host of Good Morning America. But I just thought, I don't want to be stuck in sports. So I didn't go for the interview. And I've always wondered, I wonder what would have happened. Would I be Aaron Andrews? Would I be six foot tall and <laughs> very, very gorgeous well, and still heart. doing color reporting? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, any, uh, but I mean, when you look back on that, is that a, is that a big regret or? No, a- I don't, I don't think so. I've always said, take the lesson and throw away the experience. And what that means to me is if you live your life with a lot of regret, you're going to spend all your time looking in the rearview mirror. And I always say everything's smaller in the rearview mirror. If you focus on what's coming, that's going to be the biggest, most important thing. So I don't, I don't regret that. Um, certainly, I'm sure we all have relationship regrets in our past, things that maybe we wouldn't do again. But I really do try to take the lesson in any situation and throw away the experience, good or bad. All right. So forget the rearview mirror. Let's look forward. What's next for you? That's a great question. You know, I have so many goals. I, I have these moments. I had one the other day. I was watching the Olympics and uh, listening to someone talk about writing a book about Olympic athletes. And I thought, I want to do that. I want to write a book. And sometimes I literally get overwhelmed when I think about, you know, gosh, I, I'm 51 years old. There's so much I still want to do. I don't know if I can pack it into the rest of my life. So there are a lot of things that are next. I want greater success in my business. I want to watch my son grow up to be a successful in whatever he chooses to do, a successful human being and a a Christian and a role model. And I want John and I to enjoy our retirement. The the biggest thing I pray for isn't material things or income or position. I pray for health, probably because my father was not blessed with that for as many years as he would have liked. And you know, the closer you get to the age where you've lost someone, I'm 51, he was gone at 60 it really does smack you in the face on a pretty regular basis that you need to be intentional with whatever you do. So I've got quite a bucket list of things that I'd like to still accomplish. I would like to write a book. I think that would be, that would be a lot of fun. I'm not sure what it would be about, um, but I'll do it. Fiction, nonfiction. You know, I've got five chapters of a book written about uh, the, the town in Vermont where we have a summer home. Um, I've never finished it. I've certainly started it, but I I love telling stories so much that I think it would probably, the first book would probably be telling someone's story. I was talking with NFL Hall of Famer, Alan Fanica on this podcast. And I said, are you going to write a book? And he said, oh, I don't know. I said, well, when you get ready to let me know. So I could see doing something like that, writing a book and telling someone's story with their participation. Well, I look forward to reading it one day. I'm sure you'll get it done because that's part of who you are. So uh, well, thanks. I'll get you a copy right away. <laughs> Brittany Mitchell, host of the imaginatively titled The Brittany Mitchell Podcast, senior director with Mary Kay Cosmetics, mother, wife, entrepreneur. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Doug is right. It's much easier to ask the questions than answer them. So next week, I'm back to that. And we invite you to join us. We welcome your ideas for guests or episodes. And we have some exciting things planned as we head into the fall. So share this pod with friends. Be sure to subscribe and leave your feedback. Thank you.